Welcome to the Product Podcast by Product School. Here's a preview of today's talk. There's always going to be some kind of history or emotions that are going on in the world around you, and you have to be sensitive to them because they will add some new signals to whatever, like, just, like, base communication that you're trying to send out. Um, And so two tips here, right? One is considering how people are going to interpret what you say. Again, this is brass tack stuff. You might also phrase this as, you know, think before you speak. Um, I have, you know, over years and years of work and pain kind of, like, developed a little algorithm inside my brain that's always trying to analyze what I'm saying and making sure what I'm saying makes sense and thinking about how people are going to interpret it and seeing if they do interpret it how I uh, mean to share it. And if I catch myself, you know, like, oh, I know I'm going to need to, like, add some clarity here, you know, being thoughtful about, like, how people interpret what you say. Again, you know, this is, again, brass tack stuff, but, like, again, applied over and over again, really important. In this podcast, we teach our listeners valuable lessons about product management and transform them into thinking like a product manager. We teach product management, coding, data analytics, and blockchain in 14 campuses worldwide, including San Francisco, New York, and Seattle. You can find more information at productschool.com. Join our Slack community of 25,000 professionals to network and stay tuned for our upcoming events. Hi, everybody. How you doing? Who's excited to be in, like, air conditioning and not outside? It's a swamp. I'm really happy to be in a cold basement right now. To talk to you about uh, communication, uh, I want to do a little, like, kind of brass tack sort of uh, useful sort of tips and tricks that I've learned through some, you know, uh, pain, let's say, over the past, like, you know, five, ten years of my career. Um, I originally, I'm waiting for the, or maybe I have to do this. Oh, yeah, that's me. Wearing a different hoodie. Here's my title. Uh, I originally talk, uh, had the title for this talk uh, called Appraising the Elephant, uh, named after an old, uh, I believe, uh, Indian tale. It's an old parable. It's about 3,000 years old. It's about a group of blind men uh, in a village who hear that the strange beast uh, called an elephant is coming to town. They've never seen it, obviously, being blind men, but they know that they can go out and touch the elephant to try to understand you know, what the elephant is. So a group of uh, blind men go out uh, to the elephant, approach it, and start to feel around and see what an elephant is. And one of the blind men touches the trunk and says, oh, I know what an elephant is. It's a big, thick snake. Another blind man grabs the ear of an elephant and says, oh, an elephant is a fan. You know, another blind man approaches the leg of the elephant and thinks that it's like a trunk or maybe like a pillar supporting a large building. Another man goes and approaches the side of the elephant. It's a wall. And finally, another blind man approaches the tail of the elephant and thinks that it's a rope. Now, it's not a very good story in some ways because it doesn't really have an ending after that point. Uh, But there are, to me, like three important lessons that I think we can all kind of learn from this parable. Uh, One being that it's very hard to understand the world. Uh, Each one of us has this tiny little window 
you know, into like a world that is like so much bigger than any one of us. And with our limited senses, it's exceptionally difficult to go out there, interact with the world, and try to understand it. And even after we understand it, it's really difficult to share that understanding with other people too. Uh, we have really limited tools to be able to communicate with people. You know, words, drawing, a couple different medium, and to some degree, that's about it. Uh, encouraging, though, I think that if you imagine the blind men in our tale kind of talking with one another and piecing everything together, they might actually get to some kind of understanding of the world by engaging in dialogue and communicating with each other that they could actually put the pieces together and understand what this great beast is. So I'm sure, you know, all of you as product people understand that like our many different responsibilities kind of all have communication uh, at their core in one way or another. You know, if you're talking to users and trying to understand what their needs are, what their goals are, what they want from your product, you know, that's a intimate and like vital uh, exercise in communication, asking questions and listening and trying to really achieve uh, understanding what's going on in somebody else's mind. Um, team discussion, you know, an agreement too, is an incredibly important duty of a product leader to ensure that you have, you know, done a great job of kind of like either putting together your goals for the year or for the quarter talking about like users' needs and bringing them to your team and making sure that you know, everybody that you interact with and everybody in the team has you know, that shared understanding so that, that they can work together and really deliver value. Um, a bunch of other duties that you know, often fall under the responsibility of a product leader too. Communication's at the core of all of it. So I'm only grown more obsessed with this topic as time has gone on. Uh, to provide like a quick little model about how I think about communication, and I want to say like as a caveat, there are hundreds of thousands of people who make their lives out of studying communication, whether you're like a linguist or you study like semiotics or literature generally, any kind of media studies. There are, you know, reams and libraries full of information about, you know, thinking about communication, what it means and how it works. So this is a you know, scratching the barest of surfaces kind of model for communication. But it's useful, you know. We have two people, you know, whether that's two people in a group, two groups of people, just two people talking. And beneath this, like, hair and bone and blood, they have this concept or idea that's, like, inside of their brains, right? And between them, there's this gap that you have to bridge somehow with some kind of, like, media, like the spoken word or the written word, that allows you to try to like take this idea, like a cube here, and actually move it you know, back and forth between two people having a dialogue until you get you know, the uh, nirvana of actually having you know, shared information in two people's heads. Uh, in my experience, there are like three places that I spend a lot of time thinking about uh, and focusing on to make sure that good communication is happening uh, in teams that I'm a part of. Uh, one is paying a lot of attention to the reciprocal nature of communication. So that means, you know, any great communication is fundamentally some kind of like, you know, back and forth relationship between two parties. Um, there are a lot of opportunities to make that better, and there are a lot of opportunities for it to break down. Uh, and being sensitive to how we can, you know, elevate that relationship makes communication better.
two, um, we have to use mediums to communicate, right? And most of them are uh, far from perfect, and many of them are fraught with their own kind of challenges, uh, bugaboos, you know, the kind of things that can, like, introduce confusion and, you know, miscommunication when you obviously, you know, don't intend uh, to do that sort of thing. And then finally, there's always this context uh, that frames any communication that you're doing, you know, the kind of, like, history of the past day, the past week, month, year, of things that have happened up to this moment, the emotions that you have, the emotion that uh, people that you're communicating with have. So, introduction aside, I'm going to dive in first with uh, the reciprocity of communication. Again, real simple here, but uh, thinking about it all the time, day after day, hour after hour, you know, keeping it front of mind is an exceptionally useful way to like make sure your communication is better with your team and make sure that you're always engaging some kind of like dialogue and going back and forth, right? Um, I think everything coming from this uh, point forward will have some kind of like phrase, you know, as an example of kind of like a tool uh, that I use to make sure that I'm keeping some of this stuff front of mind. So by way of example, one of my favorite techniques to make sure that I'm doing a good job communicating and, again, as being part of, like, a reciprocal relationship, you know, as a listener, you know, I have to be doing a good job, uh, is giving people their receipts uh, when they are communicating with me. And the example here, for me, is a simple phrase. It's just, let me play that back to you to make sure that I understand. Uh, kind of like, you know, writing something down longhand, or even just in this example, you know, saying it out loud, there's something about listening to what somebody's saying to you and then reprocessing it, reforging it inside of your own brain that makes understanding and like recall to me, you know, a hundred times stronger at least. Uh, this is a technique that I use all the time when I'm talking to, uh, especially like my engineering partners. My background is in design, so I'm pretty. Uh, you know, well-versed in, like, UX and design and color and type and all this stuff. But when it comes to uh, things like, you know, like the blockchain, for example, or, like, even simple concepts like uh, extract, transform, and load, or, like, how does this weird one little thing of JavaScript actually work? Uh, having good teamwork, uh, teammates that, like, have the patience to explain to me a concept is great. And then actually just taking that extra moment to kind of, like, spit it back at them to make sure I really get it, that I've like moved that cube from their mind into my mind for our communication, exceptionally uh, helpful technique. Simple little thing, but I, I use it all the time. Another one uh, is to communicate your communication needs. And obviously we're kind of like, you know, com talking about communication can kind of fold in on itself. I'm now communicating about communicating your communication needs, which is a fun experience. Um, this one, again, is a, a simple little tool, but like has made all the difference in my professional life. Um, I remember I used to have uh, a coworker. We'll call him Roger. Roger you know, isn't his name. Uh, but Roger seemed to me like he wasn't very good at communicating, by which I mean, you know, we would have a five-alarm fire going on. Uh, the site was down. The site was down for hours on it, let's say, right? And I'm on Slack trying to get Roger's attention, trying to get Roger to help me out. And I never got through to him. This happened a couple times. And I was always like, geez, you know, like, what's wrong with Roger? Why does he want to help? Like, he knows that the site's down. We have some trouble. 
uh, until finally we're kind of talking about it. I mentioned, like, hey, you know, Roger, sometimes I can't get you. Uh, he mentioned to me that he hates Slack, actually. And he really prefers phone calls. And, like, this giant light bulb went off in my head, and I realized that I had been doing a bad job, and I could have just done something as simple as asking Roger, hey, you know, in the moment, what's the best way to reach you? And sure enough, a couple weeks later, we had some trouble. Uh, I called Roger on the phone, and we had an incredible conversation for five minutes, addressed all the issues. I got a better understanding from him about the nature of the bug than I could have over Slack. So... Uh, asking people how they like to communicate and being clear about how you like to communicate too. You know, what time of day that you like to be available, what time of day you like to go heads down and work. You know, what kind of medium do you like? You know, do you like emails? Some people like emails. Some people like to have a full inbox. I don't know. Some people like Slack. You know, product manager, I love Slack because like all the time I've got access to my whole team. I can get all the information I need in a moment's notice. If your head's down deep in some like Python code or something, an engineer does not want to be interrupted. You know, if you're in the middle of doing some wireframes, a designer does not want to be interrupted. So being clear about like when and how to communicate, which only takes like five minutes tops to send out a survey to your team, can mean a massive difference, you know, in the future about you know how you communicate as a team and communicating more effectively. Uh, I'm a big fan of talking. Uh, one-on-one with people, uh, sitting down over coffee or a beer, just like going aside can make the difference in like getting to the heart of a problem sometimes. I'm not like advocating that anybody, you know, gossip or like try to get people to back talk. Like that is a terrible, horrible, no good thing to do for your team. But just, you know, talking to someone one-on-one as a person, this like you know, social pressure that happens when there's a group of three or more evaporates and you can really just look someone in the eye, understand what they're saying, know how they're thinking about the world, and then you can do a better job of framing how you're thinking about the world and get that, you know, communication gap closed. If you have enjoyed the episode so far, check out our upcoming live events at productschool.com slash events. Use the promo code PRODUCTPODCAST in all caps to get a free ticket to the next event in your city. Another uh, interesting technique that I've learned over the time of my years being a product manager is being like open and vulnerable and always kind of like being the first one who does that and demonstrates that kind of practice to your team. Uh, this is a technique that actually stealing completely uh, from our old head of product. His name's David. Uh, he wouldn't have to say this too often, but David was never shy about saying, I was wrong. You know, or I don't know, you know. And I was always impressed how being open like that didn't, you know, reduce his standing as a leader for the team, but in fact it elevated it because it, you know, helped uncork this kind of like pressure to be right inside of the team. And everybody who kind of was confused was able to admit that maybe they were confused, which is a better way of like identifying what you need to go learn as a team. It also helps some people who maybe felt like they didn't have the space to share, they have now the opportunity to kind of say, well, actually, I know this, or I've got an idea here. Um, It feels, you know, like, especially if you're like a product leader that you have to have all the answers all the time. And, you know, to be fair, you cannot come for your team every day and say you were wrong. 
that's going to be a problem. But like in the rare opportunities, I'm sure that we're all imperfect, you know, which happens like once every five or six years, I'm sure. It's good to be open and vulnerable about it. Uh, another important thing when it comes to communication is to make sure that you're walking a mile uh, in everybody's shoes. And, you know, there's obviously, like, a difference between, like, you know, sympathy and understanding, uh, you know, people you work with, and then real empathy and having, like, gone through something that they're doing and feeling what they're feeling. And to have this experience is, again, really not something that takes more than maybe an hour uh, in some cases, whether it's sitting next to your customer experience team and answering a couple tickets with them, uh, whether it's sitting down with a designer and having them kind of like show you something new they learned in Sketch or show them some frustration that they've had with some tool, uh, whether it's dabbling in JavaScript or some other like you know computer language like I do on the side, so that I really understand the kind of like both the pain you know that an engineer will go through sometimes and also like the pleasure she'll have when she's solved something in an elegant, efficient way. Um, being able to connect with people. You know, by having at least some shared basis with them, huge, hugely important for like good communication. Understanding again, like how they see the world, and being able to frame how you see the world, and get that dialogue going. Uh, after that, then let's talk about mediums a little bit. So it's actually, you know, depending on your perspective, uh, kind of like a small, just a small. Miracle, maybe a huge miracle that you know over millions and billions of years, you know, a couple of these mammals on this planet have somehow evolved this kind of like tool to be able to do what I'm doing right now is make sounds and gestures in front of a group or just one person and actually share some kind of ideas. Like it's ridiculous. And then you also like step back and thinking about how English or other language work and how many like grammatical uh, pitfalls there are. Like there, there, and there, for example, it's not a very elegantly designed uh, tool. So it often gets in the way, uh, and being thoughtful and sensitive about that, uh, I found has made my ability to communicate with a team a lot better. So by way of example, uh, being sensitive about how mediums you use kind of like strip meaning away sometimes uh, can be really helpful for understanding, especially sometimes when conflict comes up, right? Or why people don't understand. Uh, there's a study done back in the 60s um, by a psychologist with some college kids. And the thrust of the study was to understand how much of communication was uh, verbal, how much was based on like tone of voice, and how much is based on body language, whether it's like facial expression or gesture and that sort of thing. And turned out 7% of uh, communication was actually coming through words. 38% was coming through tone of voice, and fully 55% really came more for, like, eye contact and gesture and that sort of thing. Now, it's one study, you know, and those are very precise percentages, so, you know, uh, your usage may vary, but it's an eye-opening kind of perspective on how much, like, words are not that good at communicating, and things like tone of voice and gesture carry communication. And for me, this always helps me understand why, like, an email gets misinterpreted or why Slack can be so stressful for some people and why a phone call is often better and why face-to-face communication is really, like, the superior form of communication because it has a lot higher bandwidth than something like Slack or email. 
So I've always found that like being the person, the minute like things start to percolate, whether it's like tension or some kind of confusion or even excitement, you know, being the person who says, let's get on a phone call, let's talk about it, let's sit down face to face, you know, let's get out of Slack, don't you dare email about that bug to that person, you know. <laughs> Trying to prioritize the high bandwidth forms of communication, super helpful for the team. And again, like modeling that kind of behavior gets everybody kind of on the same page. Uh, and I also very sensitive to the fact that you know, language kind of sucks. You know, and again, I'm being a little tongue-in-cheek here to say the word sucks because it's not a great word, but it does explain what I mean. Uh, language is really inelegant and imprecise. Uh, and by way of example, I'm going to ask all of you to think of an elephant inside of your head, right? And everybody probably has a similar kind of like idea of a gray, large beast inside of their head, right? We all have a kind of shared understanding of what an elephant is. Everybody might have a different memory right now or some kind of like specific image, whether it's like, you know, like an elephant like blowing some water up or that time they went to Thailand and took a ride on the back of an elephant, I'm not sure, you know. But there are words that are a lot less precise and can get really confusing if you're not specific about them. Um, you know, in all our lives, like love, for example, can mean very different things to different people. Now, if I say the word love, some of you are probably thinking about the idea of like familial love, like your mother, your father, brother, sister, what have you. Some of you are probably thinking more like romantic love, right? When it comes to our like professional duties, uh, think about the word success, you know, and what that word might mean for your team. Like, if you're not clear about what success means and what success means for your whole team everybody probably is going to have a very different idea of what that means. It might be specific to their domain. It might be kind of like an idea of where they think the company should go, but they're not really talking or thinking about that with anybody else. So I often find myself kind of saying, you know, this isn't exactly the right word, you know, like especially when a word is kind of loaded, like failure, let's say. You know, it's a, it's a powerful word. It's something, you know, if you're taking risk, you're going to do, but... It can really hurt people, you know, that word. And diving into words and trying to carve away sometimes what they shouldn't mean or you don't mean them to mean, really helpful thing to do. Uh, I'm going to beat up now on some language. Uh, There are some elements that I strive to never use. Uh, TLAs, which are three-letter acronyms, which is a three-letter acronym in and of itself. Um, Pronouns and jargon are, to me, just the devil. Um, There are some cases when they're helpful to be used, especially, like, when people inside of a domain, like design, want to just communicate quickly. Um, You know, using acronyms is fine. Using jargon is fine. But when it comes to cross-functional communication, which is, you know, the meat and potatoes of really working together as a team, uh, be careful, you know, using jargon. Like, Like EOD, you know? Probably most of us maybe at this point know what end of day is as an acronym, but I remember the first couple times I saw like EOD or COB, and you know, it made me feel really ignorant. It didn't help me communicate with somebody else about what was happening. You know, it's this like tick that kind of actually helps obfuscate, you know, somebody's meaning and throws people off a little bit. It's not that much harder to type out end of day, so I always type out end of day. Uh, kind of like jargon, like circle back. Um, you can usually d- divine through context what people mean with it, but it just kind of sounds icky to me. Like, it's corporate speak. Not everybody's always thrilled to hear it. 
Uh, and it's, you know, doesn't really clear about what you mean. Like, if all you want to say is, you know, let's discuss it again later, I like to say, let's discuss it again later. And then finally, uh, you know, in this example, bad sentence, uh, grab him, right? Who's him? I don't know. I'm never going to know because it just says him. Like, and I mean this mostly for myself. I frequently kind of feel like the character from uh, Christopher Dolan's movie Memento, if anybody's seen it. A man has no long-term memory whatsoever and tattoos notes to himself on his body to remember what he's up to in the film. Um, and I don't, I would run out of room pretty quickly. I only have one body, so um, I like to use specific nouns as much as possible because it's clear not just for the person I'm communicating with, but even more so for future Carl, remembering what I was talking about, even like 10 minutes from now. Uh, and speaking of taking notes, uh, you know, take notes. Uh, taking notes to me is one of the most powerful things that you can do as a product leader by you know, facilitating conversation, bringing people together, sitting behind the computer, you know, and writing down what everybody says. Um, again, the payoff here is kind of to your future self because you have a record of the communication that already happened, and now you can avoid kind of rehashing things in the future that people have already talked about. Uh, finally, in this topic um, is uh, not being afraid to repeat yourself. So I remember when I first started as a product manager, and let's say that I had a big presentation about like our quarterly goals, right? Uh, I spoke to everybody on the team, you know, did a great job synthesizing what was going on for the team and the business and the metrics, put together a killer presentation, delivered it in a Monday morning meeting. People loved it, felt so good about myself. Having lunch with a coworker the next day, getting some feedback about the presentation, right? And I like asked, um, we'll call her Ashley, uh, like if she remembered, you know, kind of the content. Like, oh yeah, so what do you think about the second goal I talked about? She couldn't recall it, and it was like stab, like right in the heart for me, that you know somebody hadn't heard what I said, and I thought I did such a good job explaining it. And you know, for months, right? This kind of was a, a personal thing almost for me, like. And it shouldn't be, obviously, but it hurt my feelings, you know, when I would, like, say something to the team about our goals for the quarter. The next day, somebody would forget it, and I'd say it again, and they'd forget it, and I'd say it again, and they'd forget it. And over time, I learned really what this is about is when it comes to important stuff, uh, it's good to help repeat it for the team because people are really busy, and they have thousands of things going on, and it's actually really helpful for you to just, like, kind of, like, patiently keep, like, saying some things, especially priority things like your goals, you know, for the quarter, let's say, over and over and over again. It's not annoying, and when people forget, it's not personal either. Uh, Repeating and repeating and repeating is, for me, kind of like the key to communication. Uh, Finally, a few words on context, which, you know, unfortunately we can't escape it, but it's also really helpful, right? Um, There's always going to be some kind of history or emotions that are going on in the world around you, and you have to be sensitive to them because they will add some new signals to whatever, like, just, like, base communication that you're trying to send out. Um, and I'll give it a little example, right? It's a innocuous question. How's that presentation coming along? Um, at its surface, is a simple question about, you know, the status of a presentation, right? But depending on context, this could mean something really different. If I'm excited 
about a presentation that you know Roger was working on, um, I'd say, Roger, hey, you know, how's that presentation coming along? You know, the context of my relationship with Roger, my excitement for like the project he's working on, my desire to maybe even contribute to it. You know, it's kind of like context that frames this phrase and means it makes something means something totally different. It's something positive here. Or let's say, you know, Roger's working a presentation and you know, I as a manager, I'm a little concerned about his performance or something, you know, and I'm a Asking, hey Roger, you know, how's the presentation coming along? Trying to, you know, letting my emotions leak out a little bit too much. And this is actually more like stopping by and kind of prodding somebody a little bit. You know, the context here means a lot, and it means uh, it adds this like you know extra dimension to something that should be, you know, again, pretty simple sentence, right? So, two tips here, right? One is considering how people are going to interpret what you say. Again, this is brass tack stuff. You might also phrase this as, you know, think before you speak. Um, I have, you know, over years and years of work and pain, kind of like developed a little algorithm inside my brain that's always trying to analyze what I'm saying and making sure what I'm saying makes sense and thinking about how people are going to interpret it and seeing if they do interpret it how I uh, mean to share it. And if I catch myself, you know, like, oh, I know I'm going to need to, like, add some clarity here. You know, being thoughtful about like how people interpret what you say. Again, you know, this is again brass tack stuff, but like again, applied over and over again, really important to good communication. Uh, and then finally, uh, when it comes to context, it can be really helpful to just like get it out there. You know, uh, this is another phrase I learned and I love to employ all the time is just like let's make the implicit explicit. It's a really helpful way to like start a meeting sometimes and make sure that like all the assumptions you think everybody shares in the room, everybody shares them. Every time I've used this or seen somebody use this in a meeting, I found out that you know somebody on the team had different assumptions in some way. And getting that clarity up front pays dividends in avoiding kind of like confusing communication along the way. So even if it can feel cumbersome. Or even like a bit of an insult to some degree, right? By like just spelling some things out when you're in a group situation or a communication situation. Even if it feels awkward, it has a lot of payoff because you never know really what's inside somebody's head. Uh, so with that, uh, that's all I've got on communication. Again, hopefully we've got a couple like new phrases to think about deploying when you're communicating with your teams. Uh, thanks for your time. Thanks for listening to the Product Podcast. If you liked this episode, don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes. If you want to know more about our courses and next courts, visit productschool.com. Stay tuned for the next episode to learn more about the secrets in product management.